this is Lisa Horlander, and please don't drink the paint water. The podcast, conversations between artists about our work and other great advice to survive as an artist. This is Lisa Horlander, artist, curator, teacher, and podcast host. My goal is to give you a glimpse into the lives and stories of artists, as well as showcase some of the art history happening right now. Thank you for listening in. Today, I'm so excited to have my friend Kristen Moore on the podcast with us. Kristen holds an MFA from Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles and BA in Art from St. Edward's University in Austin. Kristen's paintings can be found in collections across North America, Europe, Australia, and Asia. Solo exhibitions include Jonathan Ferrara Gallery in New Orleans, Commerce Gallery in Lockhart, St. Edward's University in Austin, and Bolsky Gallery in Los Angeles. Select group exhibitions include the Tyler Museum of Art in Tyler, Jonathan Ferrara Gallery in New Orleans, Lauren Gallery in Los Angeles, and Toland Gallery in Portland. Kristen currently lives and works in Dallas, Texas. Thanks for being on the show today, hun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. I know. I, I'm i really excited. Um, I feel like it's one of those things, every time I bring it up, you have something bigger going on. I'm like, one of these days, she's going to No. <laughs> but it's oh, nice yeah. Time. I'm happy to be here. I'm really honored, and I love what you're doing. And, you know, we're also colleagues and friends as well. So this is this is really fun. I'm glad we're doing this. This is fun. It's really good to hear, hear your voice today. Okay. Let's Likewise. T- top it off with what's in your glass. What are you drinking today? So I am drinking Waterloo Sparkling Water, the new tropical flavor that just came out. It's delicious. I have to try this. I haven't heard of this one yet. That's not delicious. It's brand new. I just got it at Central Market, and they're an Austin company, so I like to try to support local with my beverages. <laughs> I have local crystal clear water from my grocery store. <laughs> oh, the freshest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only the freshest. Oh, that's fun. Nice. Um, now, on if you were to have coffee or tea, which one? So I have a houndstooth coffee down the street from my studio, and I go there way too much. It's delicious, and they're also a Texas coffee, I guess, coffee shop brand. They have some in Austin and Dallas. So I am guilty of going down there a few times a week to get a coffee or a cappuccino to give me a little boost before going into the studio. (laughs) (laughs) And that one's such a cute little coffee shop, too. I've been in there many times. Pretty much any time I'm coming in that that direction, it's like it's, it's coffee time. Yep. I love that yep. area. Mm-hmm. Such a good area. Um, if anybody ever gets into the Tin District in Dallas, you do need to check out the studios that um, Kristen is part of. There is um, also RO2 Gallery's new location is over there as well, which I've talked about them a few times. Highly recommend people going and checking out the cool things that are going on there. Yes, there's so many artists around here. We have open studios twice a year, so definitely come out. It's, it's a really great area. It's a really good area right now. So if you could go back in time and give your younger self a tip or trick, what would you recommend to your young self? I would recommend that I take it, I guess, I would recommend that I don't take things so seriously. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I really 
was a perfectionist. I mean, I still am a little bit of a perfectionist, but I wanted to make sure that I did things the right way with, you know, my paintings, make sure everything's perfect, make sure all my supplies are organized. And I get to a point where the creative process is not like that at all. So Mm -hmm. I try to make sure that I have fun in the studio. It is work. I am making work, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be so serious. So with that comes me looking to film and music and trying to keep my creative inspirations open and also chatting with other artists in my studio complex and keeping things fun and casual. So that's in a nutshell what I would tell myself when I was younger. You know, you don't have to be at the studio till 11 o'clock every night to to be successful. So (laughs) I feel it's the more time you spend in the studio, the more you realize what's really important too. That's right. I, 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 totally agree with you on this. <laughs> That's um, totally. surprising to me. That's probably the number one thing most people tell their younger self. It's like, don't take things so seriously. Go have some fun. It's like, it's so important exactly. to be created that way. Exactly. And I also think take a break too. make sure you're taking breaks, make sure that you give yourself days off. In the beginning, I would, you know, be painting seven days a week sometimes mm-hmm. and you can't be creative every single day, <laughs> I've realized. So I try to make sure that I take time for self-care, for my mental health, and just to spend time with friends and family. So that's another thing I would also tell my younger self is take those days off, go on the vacation, you know, take a break to go to lunch if you need to. <laughs> just don't take it so seriously. <laughs> oh, goodness. So true. What is a small but meddlesome studio arrangement decision? This is a question from our audience. Um, mm-hmm. And I particularly thought this was an interesting way of wording things. Small but meddlesome studio arrangement decision. I was like, huh, I'm curious. Um, well, my studio is arranged in a way where I have my work area and then my I would call it my thinking chair. (laughs) So the thinking chair is nice. I appreciate it. It's not super comfortable. I got it on Amazon, which I regret not investing in a nicer piece of furniture. Um, I need a nap couch. That's Mm. something that I wish I had. (laughs) I highly recommend a nap couch. (laughs) I know. And that goes back to the first question of what would I tell me of yourself, you know, taking more time to relax and, you know, get get enough sleep. Sometimes, you know, if you're there working on a project or I have a deadline, I want to make sure, you know, taking a nap is nice. And uh, it is nice to have a space in my studio to take a break from the painting and be able to also step back and look at my paintings from far away and make sure I'm not just in them within like a foot from my face all the time. So it's good. I, I mean, like, I love my studio. I love it. The only like, the only one thing I would complain about is making sure I have some comfortable furniture to sit on. So that that's really, I'm lucky that I have all the paints I need. I have a, we have a great mess sink. I can get pretty messy. Um, I have a giant trash can to throw all my tape and paper and leftover, you know, whatever I need to throw away. So I make sure that I have what I need when I'm working, but you know, sometimes, things don't always work out the way that they should. But overall, I'm very thankful. I'm so happy to have a studio space outside of my house yeah. with no cats running around. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's been Even the best. I love, I love, I love them. Yes. But, but getting the yeah, fur the, out, the cat it, hair. <laughs> it, it like it's in brushes you didn't even open yet. I'm like, how is this even possible? Yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And even bringing it to the studio, which is, you know, 15 miles from my house, somehow they still float around in the air. I don't know where they come from. They must be on my clothes or something. But, it's like their way of you know, reminding us to yeah. exist. 
They do. <laughs> but having the studio space outside of my house has been a game changer. And it also, I've been working bigger. I'm able to meet with people. And it's it's really been wonderful. So It's been fun yeah. to come in and It's hard to find too. something to complain about about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's those difficult. are really nice studio. And then you have all these really nice neighbors that are fantastic artists. I'm like, yeah, they're all awesome. So impressed. Love it. What, um, speaking of artists down the hall who have art, great things going on, what have you seen lately, art-wise, that knocked your socks off? Uh, a few things. I've been really lucky. Well, I'll start small. I'll start with the immediate area that I'm in with my studio space. Brantley Sheffield has a show opening in June. So and I've been peeking by every time I walk by his studio space, and I'm super excited with what he's been working on. So I highly recommend. I'm not sure if you can post about it in the show notes or anything like that. But oh, I totally will. Definitely. Yeah, I'm super excited about that at Row 2, which is down the street. So and What's the date on that one again? I think it's June. I want to say around Father's Day sometime in mid-June. That's what, that's what so it's he's coming down on 30 days-ish <laughs> of finishing things. So I know there's that last minute down to the wire. So I try not to bother him <laughs> when I'm walking around the corner, but I do like to peek in. So what he's working on is really interesting. And then lately I've been to a few art fairs, which has been really fun. So I got to go to um, the Felix Art Fair in Los Angeles back in February. Fine. And that is it's cool. It's a smaller art fair that had, it was at the Hotel Roosevelt. Mm. So yeah, it's a really unique location. And I think the gallery was Rachel Uffner, which is based in New York. There was an artist there that, or that their work was there. The artist wasn't there. I think her name's Talia Levitt. Definitely Google her. But I was enamored by her work. It was, I couldn't figure out how she did what she did with Mm -hmm. paint. It almost looked like she made strings with paint and then attached them to the painting. It's wild. Look up her work. I highly recommend checking her stuff out. But I I think about it a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am already following her. Okay. She's familiar. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen it too. Yeah. She's, uh, I was blown away. And so I had to follow her. I was like, how did she do this? So it's, it's cool. I love art where I can't figure out how they did what they did. That makes me really excited. So I love when that happens. I like it when it's something, there's so many things out there that I would totally not think of myself, but it's so exciting when you find something that's just like, I would never think of this. How did they even come up with the idea? That is my favorite. Exactly. That's what art's about. I think finding things that make you question, make you wonder, make you curious. That's definitely what I love the most about art. And I tend to be drawn to artists that do that same thing. And I try to, I like being challenged visually when mm-hmm. I look at art. So yeah, that's, that's my, my favorite part about it. I like it when someone can make me stop and slow down. I had um, a, a teaching. I, I haven't done a podcast in a few months because I've been teaching and just busy. But today I was writing notes to my students and one of them, her um, final, the final work was like they're doing what's called a visual, visual journal. So every page has like a prompt, but it's all about them. Um, And some of them took it really to a creative peak. Some were very literal and it's always interesting, but one I had to stop and look for every detail because she had put so many details and she combined the prompts in an interesting way. And so I, that's why mm-hmm. I, I left her a little note saying, um, you, know, it's, you do a great job of making me pause because there's not a lot nowadays nice. that makes us pause anymore. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I think when you are when you're able to stop and question, that's the most exciting thing about the human existence. It's just mm-hmm. learning, expanding, being able to question things. 
being curious is what drives me for sure. Being curious. Yes. Oh, I like the way you, your work does show that too, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I hope so. I hope it, uh, it, it interests people to where they wonder when they look at my work, at least. That's, that's my goal. Yeah. No, it totally does. It's, it also reminds me of moments when I've just noticed things on the side of the road that I probably drew and passed a million times and it was the first time I actually finally noticed it. And it, it's like there's mm-hmm. something about discovering things that you're used to seeing and you probably have seen all the time. And that's what, that's what I really like about your work. It, it brings into context um, things that we're always seeing, but we don't always stop and look at. Thank you. I, I love to find beauty in the mundane and boring things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it helps to add a cotton candy colored sky behind them <laughs> to make yes. them more interesting. Um, but yeah, a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you mentioned my work in the beginning of the podcast, but yeah, a lot of it is, uh, road trips inspired by travel and I use my iPhone to take my photos a lot, which is oh, totally fine because I, I turn totally them into paintings anyways. That. So <laughs> they're not photographed, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Always on the go and keeping an eye out for interesting things, whether in my car or on a plane or train or whatever. Well, and you showcase, like, uh, one of the things I love about Texas is the skies and the clouds and you do a great job of just capturing the good texas skies and california skies because california has really good sunsets but the clouds don't mm-hmm. always get as poofy um and i i just was i always like that you've been able to capture those different elements thank you i love that word poofy that's poofy. such a great word to describe clouds <laughs> <laughs> but it's right yeah i think there's different skies and there is something i mean the, there's the lighting in california i call it the golden hour lighting which yes. happens all over the place but there's something specific about the Specifically, Los Angeles, where I went to grad school, the golden hour lighting there is like this divide between orange and pink that yeah. I cannot find anywhere else in the world, and I love it. I can't get enough of it. So, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, and you know, I grew up in um, San Francisco area, so I, I'm always fascinated by people who are able to capture those little details that you don't experience nice. in Texas, and then Texas has different things that you don't experience anywhere else, anywhere else. Like, Clouds are not as beautiful everywhere else. And I I don't know how to describe that to outside people. I know. It's actually, it's funny because I was looking at, there's an Instagram page called West Texas Cloud Appreciation. Mm. I think that's what it is. But every day they post different clouds out in West Texas. And there's just something going on in the skies out there that is unforgettable and very unique to that area that I keep going back to. That's a good idea. I'm going to look that up. There's nothing like that. It's really cool. A bunny trail to go down. <laughs> I know, right? It's a uh, it's a good and bad, <laughs> but yeah. most of the time it's good. You know, I try to follow accounts that I am inspired by. So, okay, so I didn't ask you this question beforehand, but now mm-hmm. I'm interested. What sparked your idea with drawing the landscapes? So I went into graduate school making black and white drawings with pencil on paper. Shut up. And <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't it funny to think about that? I, yeah. I still have them somewhere uh, in a closet in my house somewhere. But um, yeah, when I lived in L.A., I going back to that lighting conversation, there's something about the lighting and also the smog. So mm-hmm. oh gosh, smog is horrible for the environment. It's, it's, it's really not good for the environment. But it does some beautiful things with sunset. Mm-hmm. So I tried to, I basically would go to Overlook. So Kennethon Park was one of my favorite ones. 
And then at Griffith Park, where the observatory is, I would go and take photographs and make what I called smog paintings. And they started out really small. They were eight by eight inches. And I had that, uh, the landscapes cropped to the bottom so that the sky could stand out and kind of create this experience of physically viewing the same space for the viewer that I was when I took the photo. And, um, yeah, I made a series of that. That's where it all started. And when I came back to Texas, I took that approach with me and started translating West Texas landscapes. And at the time I was living in Austin. So I kind of really became drawn to the landscapes of the Western U.S. And now that's expanding to New Orleans and so on and so forth. So I just, yeah, I started really thinking about landscape and how it mirrors our human existence, our understanding of wanderlust and memory and ambiance and all those things that just draw us to being immersed in a landscape. So I just keep going with it and we'll see where it goes moving forward. But so far, so good. Yeah, that's so interesting. So do you still have those small uh, original first few pieces? My mom and my grandma have a couple, but the rest sold. So oh, I had nice. I had a solo show. When I graduated from grad school, I was so lucky and uh, my professors at St. Edwards uh, let me do a solo show at St. Ed's, which that's the abbreviation for St. Edwards University mm-hmm. in Austin. And that's kind of where the business side of my art started because most of those small eight by eight smog paintings sold during that show. And at the time I was working in restaurants to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So it just shocked me. I was like, wow, this is this is possible. I could potentially make this a business. So yeah, it definitely, um, sparked the, the business side of my art career. So, but yeah, to answer your question, my mom has a couple and my grandma has a couple. So I do get to see them so often, but it's nice to be able to compare those to the work I make now, which is bigger in scale, more bold in color. So it's cool to see the evolution. That is fun. That's, I always, I think it's important that for artists to have some original of those, especially mm-hmm. what they end up really being known for. It's like, oh, that's still around in the family. Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like for it's sure. Easy to get caught up and be like, oh, I'm going to sell all of these wonderful things. And then you're like, I kind of wish I had some. I like to keep a few. So usually like one painting from each series, I like to mm-hmm. kind of hide from the world <laughs> and keep for myself. Yeah. So I, yeah, I try to make sure I have, you know, keep my own art around me as well. So some of them are just for me. I like that. That reminds me, um, I had once had either a professor or an older artist. I don't remember who told me this advice, but it was, um, keep, keep one or two here and there because that's your retirement. And I was like, oh, that's a good yes. point. I've heard this as well. So <laughs> we, we all, all artists, you know, invest in your own work and keep some of it. You never know what will happen later on, know. you know, 30, 40 years. <laughs> it's so true. Absolutely. What is an online art community or resource that you recommend to people? So I recently discovered it's called the Big Artist Opportunities List. Have you heard of this? No. Um, everyone look it up right now. You can Google it. And I've been researching artist residencies because I'm hoping to do one in the fall or sometime in 2024. And basically it is a giant crowdsourced Google doc that has been added to, I think there's over 500 different entries on it right now, but constantly being updated. It is, it goes through residency. It starts with country, city, and then, or country, state, city, and it'll go through the name of the residency, 
what medium they specialize in, when the applications are due, it is amazing. So that has been kind of, I just, I mean, not that I discovered it, but I just came upon it uh, a month or two ago. And so I try to check it pretty often about once a week to see if there's anything new on there. But yeah, it's called the Big Artist Opportunities List. Highly recommend checking it out. It's awesome. I'm definitely, and I will definitely share that in the show notes and social media because yes. that sounds like something we all need. <laughs> My goodness. Absolutely. I, I don't know who started it. I know. I was about like, to say, like, I like this idea of this thing that everybody kind of has access to and can add to, like, that's amazing. It's what we all need. I think artists, the most important thing too is be friends with other artists mm-hmm. and talk to each other. Like artists need to talk to each other for you know, growing your work and having for critique purposes, but also, you know, supporting each other and sharing resources and all that jazz. So. It's like cheering people on. That's one thing I talk about a lot is if there's enough competition that you can cheer people on, you know, it's a healthy art community. Um, it's absolutely, like, absolutely. Just because we're all trying to get into that show doesn't mean it's, we're better or worse at anything. It just means that some people get the opportunity this time around and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll get it next time around. So I love that. That's so true. That's so true. And I think it feels good to tell your colleagues, congratulations. I'm so excited you got into that show. That's so cool. You're working with this gallery. That's awesome. You have a studio visit. Like, good luck with your studio visit. Yeah. Like, that is really what is important because there is room for everyone yes. and the art world is across the world. The world's big. So there's room for everyone. So I think having that attitude of being really supportive is number one. I totally agree. I think it also remembering that uh, it kind of validates each voice that's going on in the different ways that we talk about the world and our own artwork when we support each other. Cause we need each mm-hmm. other. Like can't be just one artist out there. It would not be that interesting. And the art oh, it would be, be so boring if there so was boring. just a few artists and not more. So yeah. I definitely think it would be boring if there weren't more artists out there. So bring it on. Bring it on. The weirder the better. Come on, people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been really great to have you on. Um, can you share with everybody your social media handle and your website? Yes, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And uh, my Instagram is Kristen Moore Art. It's just K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-O-O-R-E-A-R-T. And my website is just www.kristenmoreart.com. And I did want to make one quick note that mm-hmm. I am the juror for an upcoming group show open call with Jonathan Ferreira Gallery in New Orleans. Oh, nice. Congrats. So, Thank you. So it's me and two other jurors, and we're all former. Um, so there's a group show they do every year called No Dead Artists, and they select artists from across the country through a juried process. And this is the first year they're having three artists from previous renditions come back as jurors. So it's me and two other artists. Everyone can apply. The info is on their website. And I think the deadline is around June 15th-ish. So keep an eye out for that. A little bit of time left. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Coming up on that. (laughs) Awesome. That's really exciting. I'm so excited for you. That's going to be a cool experience. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's such an honor. And also I'm excited to see lots of new artwork and get to to get to know more artists' work that I haven't seen before. And um, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity for artists. So that's how I got in with the gallery too. I was, you know, that's how I ended up starting working with them in the first place. Good tip there. <laughs> it's always that yes. people will be like, yes. how do you get into to galleries? I'm like, well, it's networking and luck. <laughs> but that like applying for calls too is such a great way to get curators to see your work. Even if you're not 
selected, it's still as good to have your work go across their computer screen and they get to recognize you and they see it again and again. So Yeah. I, that's another thing I tell people. Is if the more things you enter for particular jurors, the more likely they are to get to know you and get to know your art and probably pick you for something. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Um, if you enjoy my podcast, would you please consider supporting it on Patreon? I now have a Patreon for the podcast, but it is at patreon.com backslash Lisa Horlander. Don't forget to follow me and my guest on social media as well. It's a free way you can support us. Thanks for listening in. Thank you, podcasting wizards at Toginet. If you want to start a podcast and sound amazing, I highly recommend you check them out. Don't forget, like this episode, it supports me and helps me make more podcasts. Also, check out the podcast's Instagram at don't drink paint water podcast. Yes, one word. To see pictures of what I've talked about and to leave your questions for my future guests. See you on the next episode of Don't Drink the Paint Water, the podcast. <laughs>